This is the Michigan Business Network, and thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero, and I get the best job in the house because I get to meet all kinds of wonderful, great people and hear their story. And someone I've watched for a number of years and been marveling at, he and his wife, as they work the town in terms of doing great things and having great careers. And I just thought, wow, it's time we had them on our radio show. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, we've got with us today Ryan Robinson, and it's Executive Vice President of Operations and Risk Management for Synair. Ryan, welcome to our show. Thanks, Vic. Happy to be here with you today. Yeah, I'm really glad you took time out. I know you're busy, and it's kind of one of those things where it's not easy to get somebody like you to sit down with us for an hour, but I'm so grateful you did. But before we get into all of the ins and outs of stuff you and I are going to talk about, can you give everybody a bit of a feel for what your job is and what Synair is? Just kind of the elevator speech on what those two elements are. Sure. So I've been working at Synair for just over 11 years now. There's a headquarter down in Rio Town in Lansing. It's been there for over 25 years now. And Synair started its life years ago as a tax credit syndicator and has evolved over the years to be all things affordable housing. We're a lender, we're a developer, we're a title company. And we're an investor, and we invest in Lansing, we invest in Michigan, the Great Lakes region. We also do business out on the East Coast, out of Delaware and those surrounding states, focused on bringing affordable housing to communities and community development and revitalization activities. That in itself, Ryan, is such a noble thing when you think about affordable housing. And this is the challenge that I think we have all over the country, and you can speak to that later, but it feels like so many times we build these beautiful cities and we need workers and people to do the service employments and to do all of the other kind of elements that are necessary to have a vibrant, happy, cool city to live in. And yet what happens is we oftentimes price out those kind of service workers, so they've got to commute to come into the city. And so affordable housing gives a lot of options to a lot of different people that really want to live in the city and have some great alternatives. And I just love what you guys do, and I think Synair is an incredible organization that really has quite a storied past. But you didn't graduate from high school or college and say, man, I hope someday Synair hires me. So how did it all start for you? Yeah, you know, I grew up in Jackson, Michigan and went to Jackson High School, and played in the marching band there and played snare drum, and came up with some friends one time to see the Michigan State drum line play at the Breslin Center, and was amazed at what they do, and thought, you know, someday maybe I could do that. So, was interested in Michigan State University to play in their drum line, and actually made the snare line as a freshman there. Oh, cool. Played the marching band for four years, so that was a really unique experience in college and a great time. Sorry to interrupt, Ryan, but I'm smiling from ear to ear right now because I've been out there by the Sparty statue on game day when the band comes through, and I look at the snarls on the band's faces and the (laughs) intensity of the band, and I'm thinking, heck, we should suit these guys up because they could go play ball. I just know it. They're so committed. So that band experience, it had to be a lot of fun. Yeah, it really was a blast, and, and you can see it on their faces. It's a serious thing, and I think that's why it's such a good product every year. You know, being in the drum line there, I got to go to bowl games, got to march on the field at Michigan, march on the field at Notre Dame, and get to see a lot of behind-the-scenes things that the average fan doesn't get to see. So it's like joining a fraternity that you never leave, and still now when we have tailgates and go back and see your friends, it's it's a really fun thing to be a part of. Don't they have some alumni moments when you as a band member might be able to come back? Is that an option? They do. Once a year, it's usually either the week before or after homecoming, 
they do alumni band where all the alumni can come and it's usually where the Spartan marching band is just over 300 people. Sometimes the alumni band is four or 500 people with everyone showing up. And wow. They show up at six o'clock in the morning on game day. They learn the halftime show that day and then they go out <laughs> in the field and do halftime and march to the stadium and it's a lot of fun. I haven't done it. It's also a lot of work. I enjoyed my time in the drumline and I enjoy my time watching them now. Yeah. But I have a lot of friends that do participate every year. And for a lot of people that live outside of the state, it's the one time of year we get to see everybody. Yeah, well, and my kids were actually in the marching band. And I remember, you know, looking at some of their movements that were reduced to paper and it looked like algebra to me. I'm like, I don't think I could do this. And so it's funny because the school that we went to, uh, the kids went to, they used to wear t-shirts that said, without the band, it's just a game. And I think it's kind of fun because uh, it is the pageantry of what goes on at when you think about being in college football versus, you know, in a professional stadium. It's a different atmosphere. And I think a lot of that's because of the band, I think. Yeah, I agree. It's the whole game day is an experience. It's not just going to the game. And it's quite a regiment for the band members. You know, we practice every day during the week from about 3, 3.30 to 6 o'clock. And you do that five days a week, and then you go out and do the game day. And a lot of times you're learning a new show every week. And so I think you certainly have a work ethic from that. And you know how to work hard and also enjoy the time off with your friends. Yeah. When the game's over and enjoy the weekend. Uh, but that was yeah, a really good time at MSU. Lessons learned as a young man. Well, I'm sure there's lots of other lessons that you're going to share with us here today on the Leadership Lowdown. We're so glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with Ryan Robinson, and we're so glad you're here. We'll be right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. This is the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero and so grateful that we have a little bit of Ryan Robinson's time. He's the Executive Vice President of Operations and Risk Management at Cinair, a great organization doing wonderful things right here centered in Lansing, Michigan. And of course, Ryan, I couldn't help but play around there with our marching band stories because I just was so impressed with Michigan State's uh, marching band. And some years, that's all you got, right? It's certainly and, true. As you think about that, that must have been a great experience at Michigan State. Tell us beyond the band, what was next and where you headed after Michigan State? Sure. So I ended up getting the accounting degree from MSU. My dad was a controller at Aeroquip in Jackson, Michigan when I was growing up. And I kind of guess I had accounting in my blood and decided to go the public accounting route. So I ended up getting a bachelor's and a master's degree from Michigan State. 
And while I was in grad school, had some interviews with different firms and ended up getting an offer from Plant Moran in East Lansing in their office right next to the Brody Complex there. Yeah. And so I ended up starting work at Plant Moran in December of 2004, helping with their caseware implementation. That was a project when they were going from a paper audit system to a paperless audit system. And so I kind of got into the ground floor working, getting files ready for electronic audits. And so that was kind of interesting. Just starting my career, but being kind of on the same level in terms of that software with people in the rest of the company. And it had some successes early on, helping get that up to speed and helping train others and work on some of the implementation of different audit programs and things like that. And got exposed to real estate for the first time. My first job I ever went on was in Grand Haven in January. Oh, there was a blizzard. <laughs> I was going to say, it's a little che- I When you said Grand Haven, I was smiling. I think, oh, what a great town. Then you said January. And I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, about the second week of January, we'd go up there with a crew and work on an audit for a real estate developer that built affordable housing around that area. And that was kind of my entry into that. I was fortunate enough to work with a partner at Plant Moran, Rob Edwards. He's still a partner there in real estate. And he introduced me to affordable housing and working with developers on audits and tax returns and then getting exposed to the investor level they call the syndicator, which is what Sonair did. And so I started my year in January and February working on audits and tax returns for real estate projects, affordable housing developments. And then I would spend March working on audits and tax returns for the investor ultimately that I went up to work with years later. Wow. You know, and I just think about being a young person coming out of college, you got to be pretty intimidated going into Plant Moran or getting involved in these larger organizations because, man, they got some pretty talented people there. And it says a lot about you getting selected by them. But was there an intimidation factor for you going in and kind of like, oh my gosh, what have I gotten myself into? You know, I will say it definitely felt like going to work for the pros. Uh, yeah. An expectation when you go in the office, and I think certainly the younger staff wanted to live up to that. And my start group at that time, I think, was about seven or eight staff. We kind of became close friends and would help each other through the more challenging times. And, you know, starting in busy season, or the tax season, January, February, March, and April, put in a lot of hours. And I kind of learned years later that it's more of like a business boot camp. That's what I tell people now. It's like going to public accounting as a young person and you learn a lot about how companies work, not just from the financial side, but operations. You get to engage with a lot of clients when you're out in their buildings and their offices meeting staff. And you really just learn a lot really quickly. And I think that's why there's so many opportunities that come for people when they take that route. But it was certainly a fun experience. I enjoyed everyone I worked with, but I think you kind of overcome that intimidation factor simply by the number of hours that you work and wanted to do well. Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to put your head down too and get to work because not only is it intimidating to be there, but it's probably pretty important as early on in the career to make sure that you're successful in that first job out of college and you use it as a stepping stone or climb that ladder right there. But it's kind of neat that you go there. So we probably don't have enough time in this segment to get into it a great deal. But coming out of college, if you think back in college, were there some mentors that kind of showed you the way or at Plant Moran early on, were there some people? that pulled you under their wing and kind of really taught you that moment? That's a good question. And when I think back to my time in college, kind of interacting with, at that time, the corporate world, which was completely new to me, you know, there's events set up at the Kellogg Center 
where you can go in and you walk around and people have their booths set up and you meet the different companies. And I think for me what was important was I met a few people, a couple at Plan Moran, a couple at another firm, that said they were going to stay in contact with me and told me to stay in contact with them, and I did, and they did. And it led to connections later. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember one of the first kind of major events I had in my getting a, a foot in the Plan Moran was actually going to a Mudnuts baseball game. Yeah. And meeting one of the managers at Plant Moran. Her name is Katie Forth. And she actually works at Sonair now as well. And at this point, I was a sophomore in college. And she was working at Plant Moran and really did reach out and share with me what the experience was like, what I could expect, things I could do to improve my chances through the interview process. And it really benefited me. And I think I'll add as well, like a lot of people that do internships at public accounting firms, I did not do an internship at Plant Moran. I interviewed a few times and other people were selected. I did end up doing an internship at Raymond Robson in Jackson, Michigan. That was a very great experience, but it was those connections and staying in touch with the people I'd met. And so when it came time in grad school to start looking for that full-time position, I reached out, I had an interview, and things worked out. I got that offer. Tremendous lessons learned and truly grab those opportunities and be smart enough to recognize them on the way by. Well, hey, we're out of time on this segment, but we're so glad Ryan Robinson is with us today right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versa. We'll be right back. The attorneys of Foster Swift, Collins & Smith offer legal counsel to businesses, families, individuals, and municipalities throughout Michigan with offices in Lansing, Farmington Hills, Grand Rapids, Detroit, Marquette, and Holland. Clients know they can count on Foster Swift for all their legal needs, from straightforward wills to sophisticated business transactions and complex litigation. Learn more about Foster Swift and how they can assist you at fosterswift.com. found the Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verschero, and we found Ryan Robinson, Executive Vice President of Operations and Risk Management at Cinair. And of course, as we're talking, Ryan, we were discussing a lot of these different paths that happened along the way. And one of the things that you started out with Plant Moran, and now you ultimately are with Cinair. But was that the next stop, or was there something along the way? Yeah, I had one stop in between those two opportunities, and it was actually... Around, I think, 2009, I had an opportunity to interview for a controller job for a mutual insurance company here in Lansing, and it was offered that position. And I remember when interviewing with the chief operating officer there, he was very high on Plant Moran. And even though I was younger for that role, took a chance because I had a good experience and a good resume and had a good interview with him. And he gave me a shot. And I'll tell you, during that job, I learned a lot about the skills that I built up at Plant Moran. You know, I kind of mentioned the business boot camp term, and I didn't really know that until I got into this accounting department. I'm running this team, and we were having some issues closing the books. When I came in, one of the problems was that it took them about a month to close their books. You know, mm. that's not that great for an accounting department. <laughs> right. so spent time going through all their processes, 
working with staff, talking with staff, and implemented some different procedures, some new technology. And over the course of about six months, we got that closed down to 11 days. And six months more, we got that closed down to seven days. Oh, my. And, and people were able to take time off, work out projects that helped them do their job more efficiently instead of just get it done, and just really improve the morale there. And so I really learned, and I actually reached back out to my partner at Plant Moran, Rob Edwards, and said, you know, you shouldn't tell your people how valuable they are. They're all going to go get these jobs out other places because they know <laughs> way more than they think they know. And that was a real eye-opener for me. And it actually gave me a lot of confidence to really kind of take the things that I thought about how to improve processes or how to fix an issue and to become more vocal about it and to try to get buy into those ideas, try yeah. to build some momentum around them. And well, so, I can tell you the accounting, you know, a lot of times people don't appreciate the accounting department as much as they should. But when you say you took that closing the book period from 30 days down to seven, that's pretty impressive. My former life, after each month closed, we wanted to find out what the numbers were. And it was important for us to be able to tap the screen on the dashboard to say, where are we at? Because without, you're flying blind. So I just love where you're at. And to your point, take an assessment of people, building them up. And they're maybe a little more talented than they let on to be. But it's a fine line between appreciating them too much and have them look elsewhere or making them feel like they're not appreciated enough, right? Yeah. And I worked there for a couple of years and was kind of missing real estate. So I reached out to some of my friends that were at Sinair to kind of see what was going on with the company and if there was any openings. And at that time, I think by now it was, yeah, it was 2011. So they were starting to do some more hiring and they had some openings in their asset management group. And that interested me. As an asset manager, you have a portfolio of affordable housing developments that you work with the partners there. You work with the site staff there to make sure that the property is in good shape and the residents are getting everything they need. And I was having my background from Plant Moran in real estate and affordable housing. I knew a lot about the finance side of things and had a chance to thought it'd be interesting to learn about the actual physical asset side of things. And so yeah. I was able to make that move. And I came in with that kind of momentum from my controller job of wanting to attack problems or attack issues or kind of be a solutions person. And in my first year at Sonera was given an opportunity by the CEO, Mark McDaniel, to look into our building lease. At that time, our 10-year lease was coming up and prices were changing and wanted to do an assessment of what a good opportunity might be. And I remember I was kind of given full reign to that. And at that time, at least at Sonera, I hadn't really build up that much capital, but was given this opportunity and spent some time and put a presentation together that he was impressed with and some others were that actually went to the board and helped them make a decision for where our office space was going to be. And I remember Mark sat me down after that, spent some time talking to me and, and shared with me how impressed he was by this write-up. And from that moment on, I remember just kind of getting more opportunities pushed my way and kind of dug into that and got good results. And I think it kind of snowballed from there. Wow. You know, it isn't it interesting some of these moments in your career that you look back and go, that assignment really was the one that put me in the spotlight so people could assess me and become familiar with my goods. So sometimes it reminds me of a CEO I had years ago, and he was very stickler on how people dressed. But he would walk up to certain employees and he'd say, would you wear that to a job interview? And the person would say, well, no. He goes, what makes you think you're not having one now? 
And I think that's the same experience you're sharing is that there's moments in your career that you're having a job interview. You're having a moment that's going to take you to the next level or maybe define the fact that you're not moving. And so don't ever overlook some of those routine assignments. Those are the things that people that are skilled and in business are looking to assess. And that's the kind of thing that I think makes all the difference in the world in the long run. Well, Ryan, there's so many good things coming out of this conversation. So thankful for your time today. So glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back after these messages. for a home equity line of credit? Ask for LaughQ. Stop in today or go to laughq.com slash home equity. LaughQ, your credit union for life. You found the Leadership Lowdown and this is our wonderful time we're spending with Ryan Robinson, Executive Vice President of Operations and Risk Management for Cinair. And we're so grateful for some of the stories we're hearing about. But Ryan, as you start unpacking this pretty distinguished career with Cinair, tell me about that journey, how it kind of unfolded. You said you got some cool assignments early on that you were able to showcase some of your talents, but a lot of lessons learned that come from these moments. And take us through some of that. Yeah. So when I started off Cinair, there was certainly opportunities to kind of make improvements in different asset management functions, maybe around reporting. You know, my background as a CPA, reporting was kind of top of the list, but also working with investors and meeting their needs. And I remember coming out of this experience in the controller position and kind of having this realization about myself that I had a skill set for kind of creating operational improvements and efficiencies. I really had that fight when I came into Scenario to kind of assess how things are working and look for areas to improve and ultimately make work easier for staff and create a better product. And that's kind of the journey that I took over the next 11 years at Scenario. It was a time in Scenario's history where we were really starting to grow. When I started at the company, we were just over 40 staff. And now, 11 years later, we're over 130 staff. Mm. Our footprint grew from Michigan and the surrounding Great Lakes states to now adding Delaware and the surrounding states out there and all the staff and offices that come along with it. Yeah. And you know, that first project I talked about, I think of that because it was the first one that gave me this opportunity to have more opportunity for projects that created these improvements in asset management, grew the team, and grew efficiencies. And so when the company was growing and people looked above me who were being given opportunities in other positions, I was given those opportunities as well. A few years after I started working at Snare, I was promoted to vice president of fund management. In that role, I was kind of the liaison between asset management and the investors that invest in our real estate developments and doing the reporting for them and meeting their needs. 
and all along the way, trying to improve the reporting process, improve the information that goes to our investors, improve the experience for staff internally. So when you do this, you're going to build up goodwill among your fellow staff members, the teams that you're leading, and you build these relationships externally that ultimately give you more opportunity to excel if that's what you want to do. So I feel fortunate that I was asking there during this time of growth, which in fact we're still growing and there's opportunities about, but that was something I really took advantage of. I'm sure we've all been in meetings or whether it's where we work or with the people we want to work with and not everybody in that room comes with solutions and ideas. And I can tell you that my experience has been if you're to be that person that brings solutions and ideas to the table, more often than not, you're going to be given the opportunity to take action on those. If you have success, it just leads to greater things for everybody. Yeah, I just love where you're going with that because when you're in a team environment, there is a whole host of things that happen. Some of it really great and some of it grandstanding and you're like, is that really necessary? And so I think most people in those business leadership moments are sitting there going, you know, are you grandstanding or can you back up what you're saying? And I love the fact that you're talking about bringing solutions because that's all management is, is trying to move forward and deal with sometimes difficult situations. I've always told my staff, look, let's celebrate some of the challenges we run into. Because if this was just easy and everything ran on autopilot, they don't need us. And so that's really the beauty of that team dynamic is saying, well, how do we get to a positive outcome and good solutions? So you yourself, do you have a number of direct employees in your world? Right now in this role, I have one senior vice president reporting to me. But this last promotion came about two years ago. Before that, I had the entire asset management department reporting up, which was about 30 staff in various functions and responsibilities. Yeah. So one of the things I tried to focus on early on, and which actually I think gave me a direct opportunity to interview for this role I'm in now, is I wanted to see asset management function regardless of who was in any one leadership position. I didn't want to have bottlenecks that go through a single person, whether it's directors within the department or VPs that they report to, but to have this organism exist that can function strongly New people can come in. When people get opportunity to move other places in scenario outside a company, they take that and, and the world doesn't fall apart. Yeah. And so when I say now I have just one direct report who that he has this entire network underneath of him, it's that, then that evolution of creating the structure, bringing in the right people that we're now kind of operating as a well-oiled machine. And through doing that with asset management, I was able to get noticed by our executive team and our C-suite. And this new role I have now is, the executive vice president of operations and risk management has been to kind of take those beliefs to the rest of the company and help Sonera as a whole kind of operate more efficiently and smoothly and get better results in a less stressful way, to be honest. Yeah. And that really is interesting because it is all about getting the results. And the point is, a lot of people can get results, but some of the wake of destruction in their path as they're getting results is phenomenal. I mean, the human cost and sometimes the credibility of the company and all that. So it is something to be said when you can get results all within doing in a building in a positive way. So Ryan, so glad you're with us today. So glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versero. We're going to go pay some bills and come right back.
Physicians Health Plan is local. For 35 years, we've been a part of your community, and we take pride in helping you get the coverage, care, and personal service you deserve. Go to phpmichigan.com for more information. We're the health plan that works for you. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown right here on the Michigan Business Network. Ryan Robinson, Executive Vice President of Operations and Risk Management for Sinair is with us. And he's sharing some of the challenges and different things that happen along the way when you're in the leadership role. And, you know, Ryan, as I think about it, probably some of the greatest challenges for companies has been the last couple of years when we go from, you know, full throttle business to all of a sudden hitting a pandemic. And I remember early on in the pandemic, I had to change some of my vacation plans. And I think I said, well, we'll schedule it out here in a few months. If they don't have it figured out by then, then I don't know what. And by golly, here we were two years later before we could get that all ironed out. But it changed the footprint of companies, didn't it? What was it like for Sinair? That's a great question, Vic. Our executive team kind of last one is that I was promoted to this new role on March 1st of 2020 and kind of handled <laughs> situations. And March 13th of 2020, Sinair decided to go fully remote for all staff and all of our offices. Oh, my word. Without exception. And it was quite the transition. And I got to say, it really speaks to the great people that we have at Sinair. And I'm sure people think about the staff they work at their companies. They feel the same way. That I remember it was a Thursday. Everybody was packing up their things. And we scheduled an executive team meeting Friday morning. And that meeting lasted about four hours. And we talked about what we need to do immediately to keep things up and running, and then decided to have an executive team meeting every day, every morning. We did that for months at the beginning. And two things come to mind. One is we've taken some initiatives before 2020 to port our growth in IT, and we hired some more staff there. And so when we made this transition, our team internally was ready to take that on. I think it was definitely sooner than we thought, but we're able to do that. And so we spent about the first couple of weeks making sure all staff had everything they needed. And during that time, I worked with a few of our chiefs to put together a frequently asked questions sheet for all things related to COVID. This talked about travel, meetings, personal travel, how that affected your ability to go to work. And this document grew and grew and grew over the month. I think our first issue was maybe five pages, and then the next week later, it was eight pages. And we tried to create a single source of information for our staff to go to look at so that as the world changed every day, that they would feel some comfort in knowing that we were trying to stay ahead of it the best we could. Yeah. So we really put our focus first on the staff. After we got things stabilized with the staff, I think it probably took about a month. Our second focus was outreach. We thought we're only going to do this in the company if we learn from all of our partners that we work with what's going on at these apartment complexes that we invest in. We want to know what the residents' needs are. We want to know what our partners need. And so we engage the entire company in this exercise from all of our different functional areas. So we have groups that are investor-focused that reached out to the investor side. We have groups that are general partner-focused that reach out to our general partners. We have groups that are focused on reaching out to property management companies and engaging with the staff. So we tried to attack this from every angle and would put together different write-ups and communications that the executive team would absorb, communicate to staff, and ultimately communicate to our board. So we kept this frequency of meetings going for a while and then slowly took them back to once a week with the executive team. So we're gathering all this information from all these different angles, and we really wanted to be as transparent as we could with staff. So we had lots of town halls with our staff to tell them what we know, 
and then to pause and, to, and to give them the opportunity to ask questions. And what we saw, even though we're all experiencing this trauma, is that we were really going through it together, and people were dealing with it as think as best as they could, given the situation that we were under. We certainly made put no stress on people to feel the need to come back to work soon. In fact, we actually had our offices closed completely through July of 2020 and then opened them up on a restricted basis. And then I think fall came that year and we closed them down again. Mm, yeah. so, like you said, here we are now, halfway through 2022. We officially opened our offices back up on August 1st of 2021. And we've had, I'd say, a slow response to people coming back. And I think that's for a few reasons. One is our staff have been quite successful working in this remote world. We've been able to accomplish our goals while kind of living the culture that we want to with their, the way we engage with our partners and engage with our residents and engage with our mission. And so people are kind of slowly starting to come back. I'm not sure if we'll ever get back to where we were before. I think everyone really enjoys the flexibility that we have here. And Sonera's always been a goals-focused company as opposed to making sure you're in the door at 8 yeah, in the morning yeah. and making sure you're out at 5. And so we've got great people and we want to keep them. And so we're continuing to stay in touch and talk with them. And we've built our policies of the needs of our staff. Well, I think you said a lot when you got great people and you want to keep them. It's true because years ago, everybody would talk about benefit packages like health insurance, that kind of thing. And what's interesting to me is I really believe that moving forward, employee flexibility will be the thing that attracts some of the brightest and best people. And so homework environment, opportunity to be flexible, some of the benefits that employees expect and need today is a little bit different than it was 25 years ago for me. So look, Ryan, love this, taking us through that whole process. All of us can identify with some of the challenge you had. Sounds like you and Sinair made it through with flying colors. And we're so glad you made it through here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. We'll be right back. Perfectly managed meetings, carefully planned conferences, and beautiful beginnings. That's what you'll find at Treetops Resort. We have an ideal location just minutes from I-75 and over 25,000 square feet of meeting and convention space. No matter what you're planning, let our spectacular views, spacious lodging, and outstanding customer service show you why Treetops is Michigan's most spectacular resort. Get a no-hassle quote for your next meeting at treetops.com or call at 888-TREETOPS. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network and for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown. It means a lot that you're here, and it means a lot that Ryan Robinson's here, Executive Vice President of Operations and Risk Management for Cineer. We've been talking about the risk management elements of this, and you used a word, I think it was enterprise risk 
management was kind of a total look at these things. Back in my early days, we used to talk about the five P's, which is prior preparation prevents poor performance. That's a tongue twister, but that's the whole issue of what we're talking about here. You did some preparation for things that you had no clue about before the pandemic was even a thing. You actually had some planning done, right? Yeah, as you know, enterprise risk management actually is a formal thing that people undergo. And so in 2016, we kind of did two different things. One was we engaged Plant Moran to help us assess our risk profile and to come up with our different risk categories as it relates to ERM. And then we also worked with a firm called Baker Tilly to do a complete workflow and process review for all functional areas in our company. And so these two documents kind of came together to create this risk profile for Snare. So we have 67 different risk categories for the company that are broken out between you know, the four metrics of ERM. And then through this process, we identify risk managers for the company. They typically are functional area head. So we have 14 risk managers that I work with throughout Scenario. And at the beginning of this process in 2016, 2017, it very much was something that I met with a lot of people, introduced them to this concept. We talked about how we would go through it annually and review it. And you know how those things go with their new initiatives. And then over time, it's really become more of an organic way that we talk about risk in our executive team meetings and with our staff and our management team meetings. And so I really think we were able to take that step. I give that kind of lead up to say that in March of 2020, when we did go full remote, we literally pulled out our ERM document and mm. went through each risk category and highlighted categories that we thought were affected by COVID. And then we would sit down with the functional area leads and talk about those risk items and say, what do we need to do to get an understanding of what's happening here? to understand what's happening with this risk profile. And then we'd go out into the world and meet with our partners and talk internally and meet with others in the industry to get a handle on that. And then we could actually come back and report internally and report to our board. So it is something that in those times of stress, whether it be tax reform, you know, the affordable housing industry is a tax incentivized investment. So tax reform was the time we pulled out our enterprise risk management system and went through and assessed how that impacted scenario and what we could do to get ahead of it best we could. And we did the same when the pandemic hit. And it was a real tool that we didn't know would be that valuable to us. It will say if there's lessons learned from enterprise risk management is that I think it sounds up front kind of tedious and very much yeah. a document to be filled out and reviewed. Yep. And it is, I think, at the beginning. But I think if you talk about it, if you try to start to live it and you consider how world events or industry events kind of affect your company's risk profile, you can really take measures Well, to your point, it does feel a little bit like it's your check in the box. I've been through enterprise risk management, and I'm just ho-humming it. It's just you're killing me here. But, you know, on the other hand, a couple of takeaways. One is having all of that thought processing, and to your point, go deep in the moment. Be prepared. Do the right thing. And then on the other end of that thing, I think what's important is that you don't know as you're building your risk management plan that you're talking about a pandemic in this case. So all of a sudden, that risk management plan, it's not rigid. You can make changes, but it's a resource that with clearer thought, you can dig back into, right? So it isn't like, oh, we can't do this because the plan doesn't have this information, but it's a great resource guide in a clearer time. You're absolutely right. In a time of absolute uncertainty, it gave us a roadmap to walk through yes. to get our heads around what was going on. And I think brought some calm to that situation for us. 
Right. Well, and bringing calm when you're in the midst of some of those challenges is just pretty phenomenal. But, well, look, we're going to run out of time here, Ryan, and I just can't thank you enough for your time that you've spent with us today. But I just want to challenge people to think about the enterprise risk management issues for their organization. And this is a chance to shine as you push that up above because this story is kind of a bit of a true fable about what happens when the worst thing that you can imagine happens and all of a sudden you're in something completely different than you ever imagined and you've got some clear-minded thinkers that have helped you prepare for that moment. Well, and as you think, uh, Ryan, I just want to say thank you for joining us. Tell me, if people want to get more information about Sonair or contact you, how do they get a hold of you? Sure. Well, we have a great website, Sonair.com. It's C-I-N-N-A-I-R-E. And you can learn all about the company, some of the different projects we have going on right now that might be near you. And you can find my contact information there as well under our employee profiles page. Great. Ryan, you are absolutely a superstar. The mid-Michigan area is really lucky to have you and your wonderful wife, Danielle, in town here. And thank you so much for all that both of you do, and especially for the leadership tips you shared today. So thanks for being a part of this, Ryan. Thank you, Vic, and thanks for having me. You bet. Well, we're looking forward to talking to you next time right here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. Can't wait to talk to you next time. Michigan.